You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Well guys, we have ourselves some new coaches. Uh, the wait is over. Tyler, you know, we'll get into these coaches here, but how do you feel that now that the wait is over? I'm so happy. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things that like, Every meeting I've been in, every hour, couple hours, I someone would say something, and it was like, "Wait, something's happening! Something's happening!" Um, the rabbit holes, the rumors, the bullshit that people throw out there and make it legit. Like I tried last week to make Jeff Grimes stick, and that that didn't happen. Would have been solid. All right, Derek, are you happy that the uh, wait is over? Ah, if it was completely over, sure. Hell, it's not even completely over still. So, but we got the we got the main ones here. So, uh, let's this is ta- true. Let, let's let's talk about these here. Uh, last time that we recorded, uh, there was hints of that Mickey Joseph was going to be the wide receivers coach. Well, on Friday it was made official. Uh, you know, Mickey Joseph, the former quarterback at Nebraska, back you know he started in 1990. Uh, he was the wide receiver coach at LSU for the last three years. Before that, he was running backs coach at Louisiana Tech. Uh, this is something that Nebraska fans have wanted. And this is a guy that there's like, there's no division amongst the Husker fans with this hire. I mean, everybody is like, Mickey Joseph, solid. You know, it's a complete win. Tyler, what is your thoughts on, uh, what are your thoughts on Mickey Joseph? I mean, everything you said is true. I mean, you obviously you have to be living under a rock to not know what this guy has done at LSU as far as bringing in talent. Um, I mean, the Justin Jeffries, Lamar Chase, um, just to name a couple of names that he's coached um, in the NFL that are just tearing it up. Um, I mean, you, you really like he he has done a fantastic job of uh, cultivating reputation, and you've seen the immediate impact, like. This is probably up to this point was the worst recruiting cycle that I can ever remember. And instantaneously, he gets hired, and we're in the house of the a top hundred running back, uh, top hundred player, the number two running back in the country. Like, it's just it's it's really cool. Um, it's really exciting. Um, you've seen the immediate impacts on the recruiting trail. Yeah, Justin, you said it well. No division on this hire. Derek, your thoughts on Mickey Joseph? No, it's a great hire. I, Tyler, you talked about his recruiting, but I, what's so impressive about his recruiting is uh, the fact that if you go back and actually look at all the guys he's recruited, he's recruited inside linebackers, he's recruited defensive ends, offensive linemen, running backs, uh, wide receivers. I mean, he's recruiting everybody. Like, it doesn't stop him. Like, he, he's out to get anybody and everybody. That's what Nebraska is going to need, I think, with this guy. Yeah. And he didn't waste any time recruiting with Nebraska. I mean, right no, away I mean, he was on the Deco- Dakota's Crawford, who's a high three star, is already starting to get crystal balls to come to Nebraska as soon as he decommitted from LSU. Uh, he, I think he would be a good get. Uh, and look, I mean, it's not just his recruiting. Tyler, you talked about his uh, coaching, putting all these guys in the NFL. Well, I, I believe it was Jefferson. Is like a low three star. I think even a two star by one site, and he he dra- got this guy drafted in the first round. Like, so he's developing him as much as he's recruiting him, and that's 
a huge factor for what something that we've been lacking for a long time. Well, it, and and obviously he's coming in as passing game coordinator also, and obviously you know burying the lead about where we're going. But I mean LSU, a very pass heavy offense over the last couple of years. Uh, they've been throwing the ball a lot. Um, I mean, obviously where we're where we're heading. I mean, he's going to be able to cultivate that in Lincoln. Um, yeah, a plus higher. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, let's talk about it, all of the titles that he's accrued now. Now that he's at Nebraska, he's got one hell of a signature block on his emails with uh, wide receiver coach, passing game coordinator, and uh, uh, assistant head coach. Right. So, uh, is that something that you know? When Mickey Joseph, when all this stuff was coming on, you know, it was kind of like hot record. It's like he's in. Then it's like, oh, those were just rumors. He's out. Do you think that was just kind of like had to be thrown into the uh, whole package to secure him to get him to Lincoln? I mean, that was all the negotiation going on. I mean, sure, it's a good possibility. The guy could have had any job in the country about damn near. Yeah. I mean, I mean, outside of Brian Hartline, there's not a lot of better wide receiver coaches than this guy. Yeah, and and to justify the pay that they're paying him, uh, they probably had to throw because it's six hundred thousand dollars a year, right? I believe so. Yeah, so that's uh, Brian Hartline. I think he's making five fifty a year, right? So, yeah, I- I'm glad. Whatever they needed to do to get him to Lincoln, it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, we got that. So let's get into the uh, next couple of coaches. Uh, today, you know, it's uh, Wednesday, December eighth, and we have a new offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and a new offensive line coach. We're going to talk about Mark Whipple the uh, new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's coming to Lincoln from Pittsburgh. He was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach there for the last three years. Uh, This guy, 64 years old, he may be old, but he's bringing a ton of experience to Lincoln as head coach, offensive coordinator. He's got NFL experience. You know, he's uh, been part of teams that have won Super Bowls. He's been part of teams that won national titles at FCS. I mean, full range of uh, experience. Tyler, what do you make of this hire? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it there. I mean, he was part, I mean, obviously, you know, he came from Pitt, obviously kind of got his name really big this year, um, you know, being the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator of a Heisman finalist. I mean, he was in, he played for the coach for the Steelers uh, when they drafted Ben Roethlisberger, helped develop him early on in his career. He was offensive coordinator at Miami for a couple of years, so he's got these big time programs. Um, talked about his time at UMass. I mean, the guy has done he has done it all. Um, as far as the hire, I think he checks a few boxes. I think that anyone that wants to be critical, I think you got to just put it in these lenses. If I was going to tell you we just took a successful Power Five coach coming off of one of his best years in his career, not a retread, not a fire guy. A guy that has a ton of experience that will be able to push back on Frost. I think, and that, and not from his coaching tree. I think everyone would have signed up for that type of candidate. And I think when you look at the lenses of the things that he brings, you have to be excited about this hire ultimately. Derek, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, you talk about Kenny Pickett. I mean, that guy was a mid three star, almost a low three star quarterback. 
coming out of high school, he only had four Power Five offers, one from Pitt, Boston College, Iowa, and North Carolina, where his only Power Five offers uh, back in 2017, 2016, yeah, 2017, class 2017. Uh, So to take a guy with uh, that low recruited to a Heisman finalist, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Uh, You know, I... My my biggest concern is you look at his first couple of years there at Pitt, and while they got better each year, he struggled at first. But he also took over a uh, offensive coordinator that was very run heavy. And I'll buy either one of you guys a drink if you can tell me who their last uh, offensive coordinator what coordinator was before Whipple took over. Was it Paul Christ? No, that was their head coach before Sean Watson. Yeah, there you go. Good old Sean Watson. And uh, I think we all kind of remember that guy and Bo Pelini and Bill Callahan there, right? Uh, He was a very run-heavy guy. So for for him to come in and change his offense really as quickly as he did was pretty impressive. Well, and and their head coach, uh, Pat, uh, whatever his last name. Yeah, he's a defensive guy. I mean, he made his bones at Michigan State as a defensive coordinator. I mean... So whenever you're coming into a team that's a defensive-led head coach, the philosophy of the team tends to shift that way. Yeah, I mean, it. he had kind of an uphill battle trying to change that offense, for sure. I mean, when you think of defensive head coach, you don't always think, oh, let me give a passing coach to go along with my offensive coordinator. Um, so it, it is a little interesting in that regard. And I, and I guess here's my, uh, my optimist side taking over is, our offense wasn't near as bad as what Pitts was when he took over. And it wasn't near as run heavy. So I, I think we have the athletes here to kind of help them out a little bit. Quarterback's going to be an issue. I, obviously, that's an important one. Uh, but, I mean, hell, he's an awesome quarterback, quarterback's coach. Right. So, I mean, you hopefully, you hope you hope he can get it turned around pretty fast with a quarterback coming in. And I assume we're going to go after a transfer. Um, I, I I think this is a good hire. I do. I I think some Husker fans are going to be a little uh, weary at first when we start passing the ball forty times a game or whatever it may be. Right, because he averages forty times. He passes, uh, you know, historically around fifty five percent of the time he's passing the ball. Uh, you know, running forty five percent. And that's it's not air raid, but it's not air raid. Uh, it's a good mix. There are games where he'll run more than he passes, but for the is most it, part, he's going to pass the ball. Is this the dreaded like corn coast offense? Well, it, you know, it's he runs a West Coast offense, and you know, every time that uh, in the past that we've had West Coast guys come in, it's it's not great. Uh. And, you know, and and fans and fans don't support it for very long. I, I think it's easy it's, to get excited scoring, for it. If they're first, not scoring, but, they don't support it. You're right. They want to see more run of the. They want to see the ball being run more. And you know, in, in the Big Ten, if, I, I I disagree with you with the scoring. I because like Callahan scored a lot. Mike Riley tended to t- tended to score quite a bit. It was always our defenses that I think pissed everybody off. So if Shenander can continue to have a good defense. And we can start scoring a lot. Well, it, you know, one of the uh, one of the uh, critiques out of this year 
2021 for Scott Frost was he didn't run with the running back enough. It was running back heavy, and we didn't run the running back enough. I mean, we're probably going to hear more of that. Of course, we're not going to have the quarterback run a little, as much, but we're still going to hear a lot, and probably from us too, right? Why are we not running the ball? You know, we're playing in the Big Ten. I think that running the ball in the Big Ten is not an overrated thing. It is something that is absolutely essential. Being able to pass is awesome, but... Okay, I got to get in here. So so, so much to unpack there. First of all, you talk about... I, I, I'm going to go back. Running in the Big Ten. You know who also throws over 53% of the time? Ohio State. With last couple with the years, best the, the, athletes, with I, the best quarterback that. in the okay, conference, you know best does? receivers. You know who else does? Maryland. You know who else does? Purdue. Like... Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of Tyler, teams. Is that in the who we're striving to be? Purdue and Maryland is is that? I, I, I'm just. I, per, first of all, Purdue had a pretty good year. Um, like I, I think that a lot of fans would take what Purdue put on the season this year. Borderline top twenty five team to finish the year, uh, finishing eight and four. I think they had a pretty good year this year. Secondly, I think that we should be able to be a better version of that. But yes, you're right. Ohio State did it, but like. I mean, Michigan has a history of passing a lot. Michigan State has passed a lot historically. Like, th- this isn't like... When you're talking about Big Ten running the ball, like, you, I think there's this evidence of like, well, God, everybody in the Big Ten runs the ball 65% of the time. No, that's Wisconsin and Iowa. Like, the, I mean, yeah, maybe I, Northwestern, maybe a little bit of Minnesota, but, like, that's not the Big Ten as a whole. PJ, PJ Fleck threw the ball quite a bit there 100%. for a couple of years. I mean, he's kind of leaned more, gotten to where he's leaned more on the run now. But when he first came in the league, he was, th- he was yeah. throwing quite a bit. And they, uh, and they just brought back that old, the old offensive coordinator that used to chuck it a lot. Back to the Ohio State thing, though, Tyler. You can run the ball 45% of the time when you're still a top 10 rushing attack. Like, I, I, I get it. but, but they, like, they just have so much athletes that even though, though they don't have run it a number of uh, X amount of times, they're still getting a ton of yards. But but Josh Gatz, I mean, you know, last year he threw the ball a lot. Um, they they were up in that fifty five percent. I just I, I I think that there's this thing that you can't throw the ball. Second thing on the passing with uh, they, Michigan um, was football. at the fifty five percent level last year it, in twenty nineteen or maybe it's twenty nine. Whatever his first year there is, I don't know how many years Gatz has been there. This but, is his third year. So his first year, so twenty nineteen. But um, so the second thing with him passing a lot, Pittsburgh had a better time of possession. Then Nebraska, they were top 20 in the country in time of possession. So, yes, he throws a lot, but it's not like he goes three and out really quickly. He holds the ball a lot. And, and, and so I think that's an important point to mention. But I, I do want to just double down on what you said, Justin. I was thinking about this today. Like, there was a lot of speculation that Nebraska would go after Army's offensive coordinator. And Husker fans were excited about that hire. Like, and I hated that. Like, let's let's not lump all Husker fans into okay. that group because no one on this podcast was excited about that. No. no, but but I agree that at large that people would rather see Nebraska run a triple option than see us chuck it forty times a day. And when you're on the hot seat, this is a ballsy move from Frost because it, 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 it is. It, but I will say this: people will get over that really fast if you can make it work. If you win games, right? Winning the games is the is the nobody will complain. W- nobody will complain about throwing the ball forty times if we're seven and zero. 
No. No, no, they won't. But what they will complain about it is a seven and five Nebraska team in twenty twenty two running a option run heavy team will play differently than a seven and five Nebraska team that throws it thirty five forty times a game. I think that's the facts. I I also struggle to believe that Frost is going to let him come in and just start throwing it forty times a game. I agree. I don't. Think I, I think he will team. be more pass heavy. I just don't know that it'll be. Like it has, like he has in the past, I guess. I mean, and, and, sure. and maybe I'm wrong, but I just I, I can't imagine Frost going, yeah, go ahead and throw it 40 times a game and only run it 20. It's fine. I think you're right, Derek. I mean, this year we saw Nebraska 55% uh, pass, uh, 55% run, 45% pass. I really expect those numbers to get to closer to 50 50. I really think that's what you're going to see. So, and that's what I would like to see. That's what I've always wanted to see since we've, well, since we've been out of the option offense, I guess. So I just want to see year, a 50-50 offense. Like This year for Mark uh, Whipple, this is like an outlier for what he's done historically. I mean, this year was a tremendous year at Pitt. Uh, all the other years have not been this spectacular. Do you guys worry that, you know, this was – it'll become obvious that this was an outlier. Uh, Adam McClintock, he's been on – he's been a guest on the show several times, and he does – you know, the preseason offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and head coaching grades. Headed into this year, he had Mark Whipple ranked 85th in the nation as an offensive coordinator, uh, and he had a C rating. Uh, I mean, yeah, he came off a – he has had a good year this year, but, I mean, that's not that's not what he does. I mean, he's not – he hasn't put up those kinds, the kinds of numbers. He was helped with by Kenny Pickett, and he had some great talent on that team at Pitt. And you know the ACC was a shit show as a, of a conference this year, so they went against some really bad teams to rack up that record. I mean, or to rack up those numbers. I mean, does that worry you guys at all, Tyler? A little bit. I, I will say this. I, every year at Pitt, he has made that team better. So every year at Pitt, that offense has got, taken a step forward. When he was at Miami, um, he had a pretty prolific offense his first year. He was ranked 31st in the country in total offense in Miami his first year there um, in, that, in 2009. I, I mean, I think that... So so does it concern me that this was a one-year wonder? I It... Ultimately, not that much. Now, do I expect us to have a top five offense next year? I don't. I don't think we're going to come in and duplicate what Pitt did this year. I don't think. I don't think most fans are expecting that. But do I think that he's going to like be a terrible coach? I don't think there's evidence of him being a terrible coach prior to this year. Derek, I I, I agree. Uh, look, I, I Justin, you're right. I mean, you look at his first two years at Pitt, and he struggled mightily. Again, he was kind of switching up a big offense there. I mean, he was essentially going from, uh, you know, the Bill Callahan first couple of years there where you're you're so run heavy that you're and now all of a sudden you're trying to get this pass heavy. It was a huge jump. So I, I don't know how much of it's that and how much of it was maybe he wasn't what we thought he would be, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I think coupled with uh, Mickey Joseph – Getting wide receivers around going, and if he can get a quarterback going, I 
I I like what he's what 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 the capabilities that he can do are. So there's a lot of ifs right there. Oh, and, absolutely, there are. And so, so so yes, there is concern to answer your question. Yes, I guess some people kind of think that uh, it's a one year deal for Frost. Twenty, it's twenty twenty two. You know, make or break. Scott Frost is a coach, and if that is true. I'm I'm starting to think that it's not true based off of a couple of these hires here that he's going to be given a lot of time to uh give this a run because I, I don't think these the two hires with the offensive coordinator and the the offensive line coach that we're about to talk about are the type of guys that you can think that can turn it around just like that because Mark Whipple has not demonstrated that he can change it just like that he needs a long runway too. He he does, and and but I I do think this is a one year in the sense that I think he's got to make a bowl. I think that we know Scott Frost has got to make a bowl this year. I think that anything like I don't know the win total that Scott Frost has to get to keep his job, but he does have to win a bowl. I I do think that there is a lot of, I mean, again, you know, water cooler talk. That that question has come up. And I th- that question came up two days ago in my office, and and the question was is like, it it was almost silly to say would he get fired if he missed a bowl like, and I think there's probably a shot that if he goes six and six he gets fired, but like most of my coworkers, a lot of people just think that's a like why would you fire him? There are, people do not want to fire Frost. I think he's gonna get every opportunity to succeed this season. So if, if and again I don't know what the win total is, and I don't want to debate that. So but I. But I like that Scott Frost isn't looking for just a quick fix. I think that he is trying to build into something. And I think that this there's been He's signs of this. 64 years old. How long is he going to be there? Well, I mean, Nick Saban's 70. I mean, he could coach another 5 to 10 years. I mean, I mean, it, it's not... 64 is a new 40. Unless you're Justin. Then 40 is a new 64. But... <laughs> I mean, Ju- Justin, you thought Mike Riley could stick around for 10 years when he was like 64. Hey, that that guy rides his bike to work, man. He is healthy. <laughs> I, I I just I think Mark that Whipple's not riding a bike. I promise you that. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm, it's not I'm exactly excited. Mike Mangino either, though. No, no. But but Justin, I and I and I understand that. Like, I mean, I don't know if we're going to grade it or not. But like, I, I understand why that you wouldn't be doing backflips over this guy. But what I will say is, when we started this coaching search, especially when you started hearing some of the names that came out earlier, like. Corn. When you heard about corn from um, Coastal Carolina, like I think Whipple is an upgrade over corn. I think that he is a. I mean, he's called the plays. He's been the guy. He has the experience. He's not a thirty-two-year-old guy that maybe calls some plays every now and again. He's not the Army offensive coordinator. I mean, the like yes, you can throw stones at him. There are holes in his resume for sure. But like you don't. You're not a coach 40 years at top level football if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, he has a hundred. He's uh, he as a head coach, his record is 137 at uh, and 102, which is a better record than a lot of coaches and Scott Frost than a lot of coaches. <laughs> like, and he's coached NFL. He's co- he's done it all. Like, I mean, I, I, let, let, let's not forget, like. I mean, he was a quarterbacks coach for uh, Ben Roethlisberger his rookie year, where he won rook- one rookie of the year, and then they won a Super Bowl his very next year. Like 
he did pretty good things with quarterbacks. Like he's he's and this isn't his first rodeo. I mean, so if I was to grade Mark Whipple as a quarterbacks coach coming in, he is an easy A, A all the way. I mean, this is this is a solid hire as a quarterbacks coach. I do this have is, this reservations. is as big of an upgrade as you can get over Mario Verduzco. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Even as an offensive coordinator, I'm going to throw out my grade for an offensive coordinator here. He's an upgrade over Matt Lubick, and he's an upgrade over Troy Walters, as offensive coordinator. Uh, I just think that the offense that he runs just isn't going to uh, pan out the way that uh, some people think it is. And you know what? Fuck, what do I know? It's Scott Frost's job on the line, you know, whether it works out. He's... Scott Frost is he's picked two bad offensive coordinators the last two times around. Uh so but his his job, you know, is uh based off of what Mark Whipple can do. But I would grade Mark Whipple as an offensive coordinator coming into this situation at Nebraska as a B minus. Tyler. I, I think it got the grades about right there, Justin. I, I really don't have an argument. I, I would have said probably an A minus quarterback coach, a B offensive coordinator. Like like I think that you I mean, I think that he, he is a pretty good hire, so we're fairly aligned there. Like I mean, again and, and I and I will say this on the whole changing of styles. I think there's been a lot of evidence that Frost has been looking to go to a more of a pass happy team. You've seen the emphasis on some different types of wide receivers. You saw them bring in a pocket passer in the 2021 class or 2022 class. Last two quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we, we've, we've shown some signs that we have been looking to go away probably from this. Even this year. This year we aired it out a lot more than we had the last couple years. So I think there's been signs of Frost wanting to get a little bit more spread the field. And I think that goes from the fact that he realizes that, like, and and we're about to get to the offensive line. Well, we were but like, losing we're just, a lot of games, Tyler. We had to. Well, it out. I, well, I, but well, we we've been close. It's not like we've been down three touchdowns and we're playing catch up. I think there's just been. I think Frost has realized that we're just not winning up front, and the the, the hope that we're about to out muscle and outspeed people. Like we need to change it up and do something differently. Um, I, I mean, I think we were much more successful throwing the ball this year than running. I. I I think we're aligned on the grade of him, though. Derek, what about you? Do you have a grade for Mark Whipple? Uh, I mean, I, I'm right around where you guys are. Uh, I, I, he's definitely an A quarterback coach to me. I, I, I think taking any time you can take a guy that was that lowly recruited and turn him into a friggin' finalist for the Heisman who threw 42 touchdowns and seven to seven interceptions, like, so that's impressive. So, so a quarterback coach, I absolutely is an A to me. Uh, the the offensive coordinator, I I would lean a little, maybe a little higher than you guys. Go B plus. Uh, I'm probably putting probably too much weight on 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 this year with him. Uh, it was such an impressive year for Pittsburgh. Just, I mean, but o- overall, I he, there there are some concerns with him. He doesn't start off fast. My big, my really honestly, my biggest concern with him is his recruiting. Uh, I went through the recruiting rankings. I I only found one year where he was actually ranked in the recruiting rankings over the last three years, and he was six hundred and fifty third in the recruiting <laughs> in the recruiter rankings. 
Yeah, you know, uh, I, I've heard that that uh, that was one of the knocks on Mark Whipple that he just doesn't recruit. And then you know, but and you, so you I, saw I don't the, know. Maybe, maybe that's understood. Maybe he's not going to be expected to recruit. Yeah, and you much. saw the pictures of know. him at uh, Chuba uh, Chuba Purdy's house on whatever three nights ago or what it was the night before he resigned. But, yeah, and I, I, and maybe Mickey Joseph makes up for that. I mean, hell, he was the number five recruiter in the country. Last year, so I mean, the Mickey, the Mickey Joseph hire, yeah, that's a great point. And and, and, I, and but he, and here's the thing, like I get it. He he was recruiting for LSU, and I don't expect him to be a top five recruiter at Nebraska. No. But but I do believe he can get talent here. These idiots down south that like out of Louisiana say there's no way Nebraska's ever going to get that kind of talent he was getting down here. Now. Nebraska's still a bigger name than what I think they realize it is. And I do think you can get talent in here. And I and I think he's proven it already with this uh I, I mentioned him earlier, but DeColdis Crawford. Like, I mean he's not a top notch recruit, but he, it's one that LSU thought nobody there's no way Nebraska's ever gonna pull him away from here. He's from Louisiana and, and people just thought it was no way. Well, I think and, and he's, he's already, I, I, I get he's not here yet, and I get he's not committed to Nebraska. But when you start seeing the crystal balls going that way, it starts making starts making you think there's a good chance. It, I just want to, one last thing. I know you guys keep talking about him this year being a one year thing, but wouldn't you rather get a guy coming off of his best year instead of getting a guy coming off of a bad year? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and trending up. And, that's what you, that's what and, we talked about, Tyler. We wanted and, a guy that was trending up and not you know trending down. Yes, and 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 again, like when you start looking at names out there, like. When you really start saying, "Well, who is who hits these?" Bo- there, there's not a lot of these names out there. Like there isn't like a, 35 guys to choose from, and it's like there, there's a very finite guys that have his type of resume and that is trending up at this point. So I will say though, when we talked about a guy trending up, you know, we were talking about the guys that we had in our minds were the guys that are like maybe at smaller schools and they're making their ways up through the coaching ranks, yes. trending up. We didn't have a guy that's coached for forty freaking years in mind when we thought about trending up, because but, but we this is the only year that he's really you know trended <laughs> up. I mean, but but again, like I I was really high on Jeff Grimes. Like I made a point last year, and and again I stand by that. And he was good, but like he had done Power Five football one year. Like he had been a Power Five coordinator just this year. Like I again, I think you could poke holes at anyone. I. I don't, but I don't think I thought we could have got a guy like Whipple. I think if you had asked me a week ago, I was not. I didn't think we would be able to pull him. If you took me, told I, me we take a conference champion offensive coordinator away, I don't no. know if I would have guessed that any Power Five coordinator was making less than four or five hundred thousand dollars a year, though. Yeah, that wow. that shocked me too. Like he wasn't. Well, it wasn't that hard to steal him away when you could double his salary. Well, Lubick was only making five hundred k. He was also a banker before he came here. Bank teller. Anyway. He was uh, overpriced at 500K. All right. So we had the Mickey Joseph that we, we all grade as an A guy. That's the one that's unanimous, basically unanimous amongst Husker fans is a great hire. Mark Whipple, you know, you see a little bit of discontent there from certain people. But overall, it's, you know, it's it's not a bad hire. It's, it's, a, it's a good hire. Now... When we move to the offensive line, Donovan Rayola, the younger brother of Dominic Rayola, 
the All-American center at Nebraska. Uh, he is going to be our new offensive line coach. He uh, is very inexperienced. He was a grad assistant uh, at Notre Dame for a couple of years. Then he was the offensive line coach at Aurora University, a Division three school in 2017, where they went 6-4. and four. And but for the last four years, since 2018, he's been the assistant to the offensive line coach for the Chicago Bears. How do you feel about this hire, Tyler? I mean, I, I, it's hard to be excited. Um, I, I, what, I just, I just want to put out the sentiment of I think everyone has the same feeling as what Tyler's first ten seconds were. <laughs> Like, it was uh, like uh, Frosty did uh, what? <laughs> I mean, it's weird, right? It, it, it's weird. Like, I, I there's an old adage that I've heard many times. Like, you coach from the inside and you recruit from the outside. And basically, like the the, the premise is, it's, it's you can get athletes on at wide receiver and they can just do their thing. It doesn't matter. But offensive linemen is where coaching really matters. And I think that's I, I do believe that sentiment. It is a it is a stretch higher, right? Like there's no doubt about it. Um, I, it. On a positive side, like I mean, Justin just found holes in a guy that's been coaching for forty years. Well, you're not going to find those types of holes with him because he doesn't have that type of experience. So, <laughs> right. I mean, you, you know, the, you you go around there. There's been rumors that he's been considered for other Power Five jobs before. Um, Stanford. I always heard that he was the like one of the final two coaches um you know he's been around successful offensive lines him coming from the nfl a positive is obviously nfl uh pass protection is a little bit more prevalent you know throwing 55 percent time the nfl is not unusual so you think that he probably has some good schemes and coaching for offensive line pass protection as that's more prevalent in the nfl the bears run the ball dude they don't pass the ball they run the ball they throw the ball. Andy Dalton threw four interceptions this last weekend. Don't tell me he doesn't throw the ball. <laughs> Was that your fantasy quarterback this weekend? No, but we play this year. Playoffs on the line, Justin. Um, but this, but no, I mean, but I'm not excited. What I will say, and I am sure before, I, not to cut the lead off, that anyone who thinks that this is a good hire because we might be able to get his nephew, that is the worst take ever and i give a zero percent credence that that was even in scott frost's mind i do not think he was like it was in the back of his mind guaranteed no guaranteed no shot in hell i'll say that i'll say this i do believe that there is something to that like i i would hope that scott frost is not putting his job on the line just for one recruit that you may not be here for to get anyway. Cause if you don't start winning, you ain't going to be here to get that recruit. Cause he's not, he's only, it was only what sophomore this year. Yeah. He's a part so of he, the 2023 class, right? So he's got two more. So he's got, so he's got next year. So next year will be a senior year. Uh, maybe it's 24 class. And I think, yeah, I think you're a so- sophomore. Well, you're innocent anyway. Sure. I thought he was a sophomore. At, at any rate, you may not survive this season if you don't start winning. So even if you, I mean, even if you recruit him and somehow manage to land him, he may not come here anyway if you're not still here. So I, it seems weird to me that you would put that much emphasis on one recruit, but with the name and everything, it just seems there's too much to it. 
I, I have no answer for this. I have no feelings towards this. It, I'm worried. I, the one position, this was probably, we've talked about this, I think a lot of Husker Nation feels the same way, that this was probably the most important hire, even, even more important than the offensive coordinator. The offensive line coach was the most important hire. And I'm not, I, I don't know, I'm not going to say Scott Frost failed because I don't know. But it definitely wasn't the experienced guy I think we all hoped we would get. Yeah, because if you if you stack his resume up against uh, Greg Austin's, I mean, Greg Austin was more experienced, had a better resume coming to Nebraska than what Donovan Rayola does. Uh, it's it, scary. I mean, it, it, it is. truly is scary. I, I thought I mean, that they would go he play, after... He, play, he played for Wisconsin, so you know he was coached up well. Yeah, it may, and may, maybe he can bring that into his coaching style. But and he was a grad assistant at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame has had really good offensive lines for the last years. I mean, the, the, but he's, I, I guess this, he's an assistant to the offensive line coach at Chicago Bears, where their offensive line's terrible. Terrible is that I, I looked at Pro Football Focus today and to see where they ranked, and I think and and this was a couple weeks old article. Um, it was right before Thanksgiving, the last time I saw the rankings. They had him 18th in the NFL. So I think that the the assessment that they're terrible is probably like well, there's like 32 the th- teams. They're like the third worst offense in the, in the, in the well, pro often, They right have now. Andy Dalton playing quarterback. Well, they had Justin <laughs> Fields. Well, he got injured, which is also probably not a good sign because uh, of the line. But, but let me just point this out. Like, So Michigan, they're going to the playoffs. A lot of been made about them bringing a lot of young coaches. A couple of the coaching changes they did is they brought in a new safeties coach. This safeties coach had never coached college football a day in his life. He was a 10-year high school coach coming in. They brought in a new defensive coordinator who had been a three-year assistant in the NFL. And I get that's actually an assistant. But he wasn't assistant to an assistant I, I get it, but that's coach. a defensive coordinator. That's a coordinator position, which is obviously a little bit higher than just an offensive line coach. I'm just like... If 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 you're sitting there today and you guys are li- anyone listening to us is sitting there and saying, "Well, it's Rayoli. I'm I'm Rayola. I'm I'm going to do that all year." Rayola, there's a Rayola. I'm excited. Um, I, I, that's a bad take, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be a failure. There's just I just don't know how you could be excited about this hire at this point in juncture, and it may work out great. And well, Scott Frost knows more about football than all three of us combined. And there's no doubt in my mind of that statement being true. So, it, but yeah, it, it, it is a gamble, right? Yeah. I mean, again, his ass is on the line here. But I just think, what, you know, the uh, thing that made the offense really bad this year was the offensive line. And the offensive line has not been overly great at Nebraska. But this year was beyond bad. I mean, how many times did we open up an episode thinking, you know, I mean, I guess the best compliment for the offense was like, well, the offensive line wasn't shitty this game. I mean, that that was a compliment yeah, that, to the offensive I, they, line. They had a few good games. When, uh, Northwestern Prochaska, was a good game. Yeah, I mean. When Prochaska was, was healthy. Against, Pro, and, yeah, Northwestern and overmatched team. But f- for a majority of the season, they well, were really they, bad. It was good for the first half of the next game, too. I don't remember who the next game was even. Was it Michigan? Who was the next game after Northwestern that we just 
Shit, I don't know. The, the one that Perhaska got hurt in. Because he was in for the first half. And we our offensive line looked good that game, yeah, too. It was Michigan. Until, until he got hurt. It, it well, he, it really didn't look that bad then. Because I remember we also talked about Ben Hart coming in in relief and actually looked pretty decent other than that first right. play he was well, in. Okay, regardless. The, I, the anyway, point is. There was, there was a couple games that they looked pretty good. The point is. Uh, Greg Austin got fired because the offensive line was a dumpster fire for most of the season. And when you put, when there's that much emphasis to get a, bring in a guy to get these guys coached up, because we have some quality athletes there on the offensive line. We just have to get them coached up to play smart, you know, play sound football, get the techniques right. And we're going out with an unknown like this. This is like a miss. As far as hiring somebody, it it is a miss. You you had an opportunity to go out there and get somebody that has demonstrated that they've been able to get you know, but meaningful evidence that they've been able to coach an offensive line unit and not just kind of sit on sideline and help do all the grunt work that the uh, NFL assistant to the position coaches do. And he's never recruited. I mean, it's a huge gamble. That, that, it's that, a huge that's gamble. my biggest concern. Right there, that's my biggest concern. And it may not matter if Frost doesn't last more than another year or two anyway, but his recruiting is my biggest concern. Like, the guy's never recruited. So we don't know what we don't know what kind of recruiter we're getting out of them. Can we get – I mean, say what you want about Greg Austin. One thing he did do was recruit well. Like, he got some talent he did. here. Yeah, but, but, but again, I think that you look at that – well, what I will say on that Greg Austin thing is I think with Nebraska recruiting, you've seen them really go and emphasize this regional pod. And I think that bringing in a Mickey Joseph, hopefully keeping a Travis Fisher, um, I think the, these things are really important for Nebraska as you move forward with recruiting. Like, I I don't know, Rayola, I have yet to hear him talk. From the reports that you hear out there, the guy has some charisma about him. Like, I think that it doesn't take a genius to be a great recruiter. Like if if you get him in front of parents, you get him in front of kids, do they buy into him? He's just, he's a complete unknown. And it, it is, I mean, again, I, I think I brought this up last week on the podcast. If not, I said with you guys, the Mickey Joseph hire was an A. There's no doubt about it. Maybe an A plus. If, I hope it wasn't a budgetary thing. I know everyone scoffs at me when everyone says Nebraska has more money than they know what to do with. I have yet to see the evidence. You spent a lot of money bringing in Mickey Joseph. I just hope that wasn't part of this decision process of, well, I have this much money I can spend on coaches, and I just spent my more money than my old offensive coordinator and old offensive line coach on a wide receivers coach. Like I just hope it wasn't. They went all in on Mickey because I would have rather got an A plus offensive line coach than an A plus wide receivers coach. So would you be mad? And we don't know how much uh, as of now, as we're recording this, we don't know how much that they they're spending on Donovan Rayola. But you, you, we know that Scott Frost interviewed Donovan Rayola and Jeff Quinn. Jeff Quinn is the offensive line coach at Notre Dame. How upset would you be if the difference between getting Jeff Quinn here was like? Say two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something, instead of Donovan Rayola. I mean, with, with how how upset would you be about that? 
I would think Jeff Quinn's a better hire. I would think that the university should have been able to pony up 250K. I don't think that is all at all a Scott Frost type decision. Like, I, I don't think that he sets the athletic budgets and what he can offer. And well, duh. <laughs> Otherwise, Jeff Frost is going, give them all a million. I mean, if Scott Frost, if Scott Frost was setting the salary of these guys, yeah, I think that there'd be a lot of really paid, really well paid coaches on the roster. Hell, he'd probably give himself a pay raise. He probably wouldn't have given himself a pay cut. Um, Shoot, what is it? Michigan State? They're paying their assistants a seven point five million dollars salary pool. Yeah, we have five million for our guys. Maybe, maybe we have a five. I mean, we'll, we'll see what it all shakes out to be. I mean. I, I did the math. Five million is what it was before. So, so I did the math on this. Scott Frost gave back a million dollars this year to come back to coach Nebraska. We'll see what everything shakes out. We obviously don't know. There's still a whole nother opening, but I was just kind of jotting down some numbers. There is a very good chance at the end of this that we will spend less money on coaches in 2022 at Nebraska than we did in 2021. And How so? Because Scott Frost minus a million. Mickey Joseph is making a hundred thousand dollars more than Lubick, so that's plus one hundred thousand. Now play the OC just, game because you got to throw okay, an OC in there. Okay, so so offensive coordinator speculation. Um, obviously, we don't know what Whipple's contract is. Is somewhere it sounds like it's between eight hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars. So that's. Let's call it nine hundred thousand. Even though I don't think it'll quite be that high, that's plus four hundred thousand from Greg Austin. Okay, Ryan Held was making four hundred thousand. Do you really think Rayola is going to come in and make the same amount of money? I, I don't. You think he's going to be down to Barrett Rude's level, like at two fifty three hundred thousand? I'm going to tell you right now. If he comes in and makes what Barrett Rude makes, if I'm Barrett Rude, I'm walking. Like I mean, like seriously, like don't. Yeah. But don't you think he's going to come in low? Like so, you would think. Okay, even if he comes in at Ryan Held made at four hundred thousand, which no one thinks he's going to come in that no. high. He comes. He comes in. He comes in and makes the bare minimum like Rude did when he started, which I think okay. was two hundred fifty thousand. But but I'm just I'm just my point is I'm even going to save. I'm going to I'm going to overpay him. So even if you do, you still have five hundred some thousand. Like. Verduzco made a good amount of money. Like who, if you bring in any of the guys you're hearing, unless you go out and bring a big special teams, like there's a good chance, unless they start giving massive pay raises to Shenander, Fisher, all these guys, you're going to come in at half a million dollars cheaper than you did last year. So wouldn't that even want make you want to kick rocks even more if you found out that they brought in Donovan Rayola as like the, the lowest salary on the team? And there's extra money out there, and they could have probably got somebody with like more meaningful experience. Well, okay, so the it's a theoretical money, right? Like we don't sure. know what the we like. This is obviously just saying. Well, you would think that Scott Frost gave up a million dollars. Like there should have been an extra million dollars available to bring in assistance and and shit. For all I know, maybe they're going to pay Whipple the highest offensive coordinator salary in the country, and this is a moot point. There's been no signs that maybe they're giving Shenander a huge pay raise. All that could change. But, yeah, it, bottom line is, like, Trev Alberts in this process is, like, kind of taking a step back in my thing. Like, he, he got on the he got on and started talking about, like, well, I have a meeting with Scott Frost. This is all Scott Frost's decision. 
And and while I respect an element that he's saying that Scott Frost is going to get to pick his own staff, the way that he's kind of wiping his hands of this is is bullshit. I don't believe for a second that he has no say in these offensive hires. I don't believe for a second that he's not sitting there signing the checks and approving the hires. Like, I well, he, he he's the one that has to negotiate the contracts. Right, like Scott Frost can go out there and go, yeah. Quinn, you're hired. And well, then, it sounds like he's taking Matt Davison with him to act on you know behalf of Trev Alberts. So. But but like Trev Alberts is just kind of like, but yeah, it's all Scott's decision. But but, but it's but it's still Tre- it's still Trev's decision on okay, he's allowed to spend this much. I get Matt it. Davison. You're you're allowed to let him spend this much. I, uh, you're, you're Derek. I agree with you. But like, if you listen to Trev Alberts the other day, we we talked about these like him and Scott have to have a meeting. Bullshit. You there if you do not know what your head coach is thinking for coaching hires, you should be fired immediately. You you have to know and he's playing this ignorant game. But and, and what I think he's trying to do is he's trying to create enough separation so if it doesn't work out, well, it's not my fault, it was Scott's fault. Smart. And I I, I Smart. which is not stupid. It's not stupid. But I, I, I kind of lo- am losing a little, just a tad bit of res- the, uh, respect for Trev Alberts and this whole thing. And again, but, yeah, and I don't know if I money know. was an I mean, option. He, maybe, he, maybe Rayola was the guy. Maybe Scott Frost just loved Rayola. He met with him. He bought him. He's 100% in. Maybe he had another million dollars to go spend. And he's like, dude, I don't need it. I got this guy. He's great. I love him. I'm all in on him. Maybe that's what happened. But I, I just, I don't know. All right, let's grade Donovan Rayola here. Uh, I'll start here. I think he's uh, C at best. Uh, this is a very average, very lackluster hire. It's not a shit hire because of, of all the unknowns. We just don't know if he's going to be good or bad. But this is not the hire that I would have thought that uh, we would. This, I don't think this is the direction that I thought we would have gone. It It is really puzzling being a... Uh, as inexperienced as he has. Uh, but yeah, C for me, Tyler. I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to let me get away with this, but I want to give it an incomplete. Like I, I don't like, no, it, you have I, to grade. I feel like I, I feel like, like I'm a grade. Incomplete, I, I feel like incomplete is a great, cause that was my grade. You stole like, it. I, the, 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 I feel like I'm a history teacher and someone just turned in a math homework assignment. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, do you, do you want me to grade this? Because it's not even the right subject. Like, it's not, I have no idea what to grade this because there is nothing to grade. Well, it's not like that they're, they hired like a linebacker's coach for the offensive line position. I mean, he was offensive line at Division Three Aurora University. And maybe they had the best offensive line in Division Three football. I don't know. It, did, it really didn't look like it. It really didn't look like it. How do you know? I looked. At, I looked up Aurora University. They they went six and four in their uh, the season they was there, and they went five. And, and that's one. all because. And that was all because of the offensive line. Yeah, that 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 was the main thing that it said. I don't. I don't buy anything you're saying, but <laughs> they did go six and four though. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, shoot. I've never I, heard I of Aurora t- I, University. I, me either. I don't even know where it's at. I'm pretty sure it's not Aurora, Nebraska. Hey, I looked up and I still don't fucking know. It's in okay? Illinois. I think it's in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's that's great. 
but at, at the end of the day, I'm with, I, I'm with Tyler. I, I I gave it an incomplete too because I I have no clue what to grade this guy. I I mean, if you're gonna force me to grade it, I'd probably give it a D because I don't know anything about him. Yeah, it's but but I don't want to give him a D because I, I I I just I don't know. It's it's so much. There's just too much unknown with it. I mean, he he could work out. He could be great, but it's just holy crap. Talk about and. and it- and again, I mean, he was a GA at Notre Dame in 2015, 2016. Notre Dame had some good teams and really I, I good think offensive he's got lines. Some, I think he has some great mentors. I, th- I think like, he has, there's, a, there's a possibility he's probably learned a lot. He, he was at Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez made comments about how he was one of his favorite offensive linemen when he was there. I mean, the guy's been around. Like, he's done things. He He's played... If you want to talk about it, his, if you want to talk about his playing days, like he's not his brother, like the guy played in one NFL game. No, he's not a great NFL player, but he was a journeyman. Like he stu- he stuck around in practice squad capacity and semi pro football. Like I mean, he he the guy isn't. I mean, I don't think he was as physically. I what my impression was, he was never physically as gifted as his brother. He he got by on toughness and. The the intelligence name. and name. No, I'm kidding. But you I'm th- kidding. you think NFL teams are just keeping around because well maybe he'll turn into his brother. Yeah, I was trying to be funny. No, I mean, no, 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 no. The the reality is the reason why this is passing the sniff test by so many Husker fans, and honestly, I think part of the reason why he got this isn't because of his nephew. I think it's because of his brother. Like I I mean his nephew. I think some people have this. Then why not just go hire his brother? He's never coached Brother, before. He's literally never Neither coached. Neither is this guy. Well, uh, he's he's coached. I mean, he's been barely. Part of coaching staffs. I mean, an, an NFL assistant to the coach is different. It, it is different than like a like an offensive analyst in college football. Like there is a it's lot a, more hands on. You know, I mean, they are a lot more hands on with the guys. They are they are it's like a GA. actively. It's a higher, much higher paid GA. Well, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but but, all right. but yeah. So, all right. So uh, we'll see how this pans out. Uh, we got one hire left. Uh, who knows what it's going to be? We got a running back position that hasn't been filled yet. There's speculation that there's a special teams coach that could be filled in. I don't know. Hopefully, this is ironed out uh, by the next time we talk. But chances so, are, so, it may take uh, through uh, January. The, the real question is, which do you think we're going to hire? Are we going to go after special teams coach, or are we going to go after our running backs coach? Well, I mean, uh, I, I sent out a tweet this morning when I was looking at the pit roster, and there's a guy on the pit roster by the name of uh, Andre Powell who was the running back coach and he was the special teams coordinator. So he could fill both spots. Uh, their special teams weren't shitty this year. This year They ranked 38th, I think, uh, 35th maybe, uh, whereas Nebraska okay. ranked 128th. Uh, I mean that that's that's your rumor that you're starting like old Tyler likes to start the offensive coordinator Grimes, uh, you know. But like, here, here's the funny thing is like, there's, I, I guess there's some speculation that he's going to go after full time full time special teams coach. Bill Bush seems to be leading that uh, that race, but it's all speculation. What you haven't heard any speculation on is running backs coach. Like, there's been no speculation. 
everyone just assumes that if we do hire a special teams coach, it's going to be Ron Brown. Because apparently there's no other running backs coach out there that anybody's going to go hire. I, yeah. Like, I, I have not heard one rumor for, for our running backs coach. Not one. Yeah, it, it, it's puzzling. It's puzzling. And for... For them, and that to, seems like that seems like an odd position to not have a coach at. Well, for them to hire both positions, there has to be defensive changes on the coaching staff. The defensive coaching changes. Somebody has to leave to make room for both. You You're can true. hire one or the other, or one to do both. And and that seems to me like the, the smartest move. Like you got two linebackers coaches plus Shenander who coached linebackers. Maybe you. Talk one of them into find another job and hire a special teams coordinator and make Shenander coach linebackers again. And it I, could I don't be know. that they're waiting for a defensive coordinator or a defensive coach to find a job elsewhere to make the rest of the announcements. And and that could be it. And and I will say, like you know, I, that's possible, guys. And it, I just think that like it's hard because you we have to get a special teams coach. Like I think that that is if you're asking me, Derek, which one we have to get, if it's a binary choice, like it's special teams coach. Have well, Becton have, 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 have take over running backs. Like Becton was a defensive backs coach. Then he went to wide receivers coach. He wasn't a tight ends coach until he came to Nebraska. Like, and he's done pretty well with coaching tight ends. Like, I think it's a pretty big ask, though, to coach both tight ends and, and running backs. You'll figure it out. You have to bring in a special teams coach. <laughs> I mean, how hard I mean, can it be to coach offensive linebackers and special teams? I mean, I mean, okay, but the reality is, is I think that coaching inside backers and outside backers is quite the the, the different positions. Like, I think it's just as different as but tight, tight ends, ends and, running, and running, backs. running backs are close. Well, I think it's, I think, it, I think it's just as different. I think they they don't practice together. They're not the same. So Shenander would have to lean in there. Shenander, whatever they're doing on defense every year, it seems to get a little bit better. Like it I mean, seems like it's working. Do you really want to just blow that up? I don't know. Like I'm I mean, just re- saying, re- like really with you your have linebackers, to get teams coach. Really with your linebackers, you usually have one down line or more of a down lineman type linebacker on one side, and more of a coverage linebacker on the other side. So really feasibly, you could ask Barrett Rude to coach one of the linebackers and. Tony Tuyote to coach the coach the down lineman one, but at that point you're essentially running a four three off. I think defense. that's what they did this year. I mean, I don't think the previous year. You don't, think Dawson, was, you don't think Dawson had anything to do with the outside linebackers? No, no, no. I, I do, but I, I think what you, the scenario that you're describing uh, that that's not what Shenander was running uh, for his first three years. That was a new development. That was a new wrinkle this year. Mm. I, I don't know if that's true. I think Jojo Doman's always kind of been out there for coverage, and the other side usually. Garrett Nelson's always kind of gone up to the line. Okay, but the reality was this year, I, I disagree with both of you. We ran a two-five-four, like that's what we ran. We had two down linemen in a lot. Like half of our plays, we only ran two actual defensive linemen. Like I mean. And then we had three outside backers, if you count JoJo as an outside okay. backer. At, at any rate, you could ask Tony Tuioti to coach the down line, the down linebackers. Yeah, you could basically have – what you what you could do is you could basically have the outside backers rotate drills, right? Like you have some drills with the inside coach. 
gratis. I mean, you could figure it out, right? Like that does make sense. I mean, to, to me, it would make more sense just to make Shenander coach a position because that would. Also he's essentially work. he's essentially the only co- or only coordinator on the team that doesn't have another job. All right, yeah. This speculation I mean, is boring me here. Can we move on? Well, let, let's what? talk about the college about, football playoff. How about you're That's boring exci- us? Yeah, let, let's get to the college football playoff. That's an exciting topic. No, we'll, yeah. we'll skip playoff picture. Let's get to Mr. the games Predictable. of the week. Games of the week. Let's recap games, no games of the week for the season. Nobody cares about that. Oh, I do. I don't believe that you hey, can hide. I need to go back and that's why listen. you're boring us right there. So last week... He got week, out of the basement for one year, and all of a sudden he has to bring it up. So last week... When I won like the first three years, Justin didn't ever want to give the final results. Like, yeah, let's just move on. Now he's out of the basement, and he's like, oh, we have to recap. We have to recap now, because I went 5-1 and one last week, I guys. don't believe that. I need to go back. I'm going to have to go back and listen, because right. I don't believe so, for a second that you went 5-1 so last week. So, all right, this is going to be boring radio for the listeners, but Oregon, Utah, I had Utah. Baylor, Oklahoma State, I had Baylor. Georgia, Alabama, I had Georgia. Houston, Cincinnati, I had Cincinnati. Michigan, Iowa, had Michigan. And I had Pittsburgh over Wake Forest. I don't believe you. That's five. I don't believe you. And you went two and four. I don't believe you. And Derek went three and three. You can go back and listen. Uh and Derek, you went three and three. I thought you and Derek agreed a lot more. I thought you and Derek kept agreeing, and you kept getting pissed off on that. Yeah, but we, we differed on two games. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, me, I went 50 and 28. Tyler, you also went 50 and 28. And Derek is way behind at 45 and 33. Yeah. I, I call bullet. I, I don't believe Justin score. Derek, do you believe Justin scorekeeping? Feels a little pencil whip to me. Hey, yeah. you can go back and listen. Go back and listen. I, uh, I I think we have, we have some listener out there. Not just worry about this week. Let's go back a few weeks. Let's get let's get some uh, let's get some double checking your math. I feel like every week you just kept like adding an extra win in on yours. If I were doing that, why would I give myself like a two and four week? You probably had an zero oh and six week, and Shit. you just expect us to be too drunk to pay attention. Wow. So so are we gonna pick one more game? Are we gonna pick the Army Navy game? Go ahead. Okay. I'm out of it, so I ain't doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Army. Every, everybody knows who I'm rooting for. So yeah, me and Derek matter. were in the Army, so you have to take Navy. That's what? The, you have to take Navy. That's the deal. You're a little okay. seaman. So you look like, yeah, you look like a seaman. I, you look right. like yeah, a seaman with that bald-ass I, head I was going to say, I get, I get to pick first. That's that's how we've done it all year. So I get to pick Army first. Okay, well, I'm taking Army, too. I, <laughs> I mean, well, that was a great segment. I'm glad you brought this up, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I thought that's where we were going with it, but didn't realize you just were going to copy my pick like you do every other week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to make those picks a little bit. We're later. really not going to no, talk we're... about the playoff. I thought you didn't want to talk playoff. What? Tyler doesn't. I do. I want right. to talk about what shitty picks they made. All right. Well, Who did you want them to pick? So Notre, D- I want Notre Dame in there over Georgia. Oh my god. Georgia get the does fuck not believe bullshit the fuck out of here. So let's you set lose this up your you lose your time. you Derek. lose your conference championship by 17 points. You don't belong in a playoff, period. All right, Derek, let's set this your up. Your resume for the sucks. Let's set go, this go up. Go back for the to listeners. the BCS. Go back to a national championship. Just have Michigan, Alabama for the national championship. You don't need a playoff this year. That's that's your national championship. You don't need a 14 playoff. 
Just Michigan, Alabama, that's the only game. Because Cincinnati is going to get just ran off the field. And Georgia, you're right, doesn't deserve to be there. But you have to find four teams. You have to find four teams. So I, I'm sorry, I'm not buying this Notre Dame. They're 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 great. I would put, them in, I would put them in over. Oh, oh, who who's Georgia's big victory? Clemson, who was unranked, who was unranked for most of the season. Who's Notre Dame's? Well, it's it's about the same, but at least they didn't lose a conference championship game. They didn't have one. You don't win a point Al- by not playing a game. Alabama got in by not playing a game two years ago. And that's bullshit. But, like, I, I'm sorry. When your best victory of the season, I guess, is Wisconsin. Like, and that was when Wisconsin was absolutely dog shit. Like, they were ranked 18th at the time. And where did they finish? Not Around ranked. 18th. Not ranked. Oh, oh they, they, they weren't ranked. Right? Oh, that's right. They lost, to, they lost to Minnesota at the end of the season. It got oh, yeah. dropped out. They were ranked up until they lost to Minnesota, but I just, I, 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 I mean, like I, I know your stance there. You lose a conference championship, you're out, and that's it's, fine. it's either it's either that or get rid of the conference championships. It, but get rid Notre of Notre Dame doesn't have one. That's not a fair get thing rid to of say. Them. They didn't have a chance to lose. They don't even so, have a coach. Okay, well, well, losing don't get rid it of the conference championships. My, my meaning, my meaningless. Expectations for Nebraska is just like to compete for a division title. Don't take that away. I want something to strive for because playoffs are never going to happen. They got the right four teams. The order probably could have been developed. No. It should have been Michigan one, Bama two, Georgia three, Cincinnati. I don't. Four. I don't give a shit. Baylor belongs in there more than Georgia does. You you lose a TCU. You forfeit all rights. You lose your conference championship, you lose all rights. Hey, I'm just happy that Cincinnati made it. A group of five, one of the y- little guys finally made it. And Tyler, you ridiculed me all the time. It's like, Cincinnati will never make it. Damn it, they made it. They may get blown up by 60 points, but I, they made it. I would I would have put Ohio State in there before Georgia if I was in the committee. I, I know, Derek. You, I could have you... put about five other teams in there. So, Derek, if, if, what your method is, you might as well lose so you don't ever play in a conference championship game because that's how you actually win a national no. championship. That's how you win a national championship is not ever playing in one. Well, you definitely don't lose a cha- the championship game by seventeen Again, points. Go back, let's get and rid it of shouldn't the even have been that close. Let's let's get rid of the playoff. Why do we need a playoff? We know who the two best teams. There's two teams that deserve to play for national championship. It's Bama and is Michigan. And Michigan clearly should be the number Whoa, one. Seed. Why are you not going Cincinnati put, again, Tyler? I would have put UTSA in there before Georgia. So number five was Notre Dame, six was Ohio State, seven Baylor, and eight was Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Ole Miss should have been in there before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, all I know is that a twelve-team playoff would have been pretty damn fun this year. It would have. It would have so, been George, and Georgia still should have been left out. I will say this on my last note on the playoff. I am. I, I think my stance has bounced between eight team or playoff expansion and four team. I'm done with the four team playoff. Go to two teams, national championship, or expand it out because I do agree that like more often than not, like four through seven are all completely interchangeable. Like there is no real variance there. Expand it out or go back just it, to a national it, championship. It, it wouldn't be so bad, but. 
you get somebody like Georgia, and, and this is my problem with Georgia too, is so they play in the SC, the Almighty SEC, so their their uh, quality wins always look so good because by God, we put ten SEC teams in the in the top twenty five every year because they're in the SEC, and so they beat some of these teams, and all of a sudden I was like, well, yeah, but they beat so and so. I mean, I, you could. I'll tell you what, Alabama shouldn't have been in if if they hadn't beat Georgia. No, they, and I don't think they would have. But, but you listen to all the pundits, and they should have been. Well, the pundits are dumbasses. And it wouldn't have shocked me one bit if the committee would have put them in. I would have been, if Bama and Georgia, the score would have been inverse, and Bama lost by 17 points, Derek, I would be screaming to the fences if Bama still would have made the playoffs. The difference is I don't Georgia care if they would have lost by one point. Okay, fine. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter. If Bama would have lost, they should have been out. The difference was Georgia was undefeated. And that's where the variance is. When you start comparing okay, one loss guess teams. What? Cincinnati, if they'd have lost, they'd have been out of it. They were undefeated. Yeah, but they're not a real team. They beat Notre Dame. It was the number five team in the country. It was a better resume than what what Clemson had. Derek, remember, Tyler is still convinced that Nebraska would have beat Cincinnati the year that that... Uh, in 2020, when that game yes. was canceled, he yes. respects. I, he does not it, respect Luke Fickle or Cincinnati. I do not expect. I do not respect group of five programs. I do not respect teams that are barely one, above, barely Division one football teams. I don't. You're right, and you're part of the problem right there. You just as well join the committee. Hey, you know what? Because we'll hey, just put hey, Georgia hey, in no matter what. Hey, you know what, Justin? You, we can still and, and pick, and, and pick. You want to pick Cincinnati over Bama? And, and now here, no. Here's the funny thing: is now the narrative the on ESPN. The narrative on Do ESPN now is that Georgia, no. Georgia wasn't up for this game because they knew it didn't matter, so they didn't care if they won or lost this game anyway. I mean, I mean, Justin, for for the tiebreaker, you want to go straight up. You could take Cincinnati. I'll take Bama. I'll take the line. I'll take. I'll take no, the points. We, we haven't Give done the, the line. We haven't not done the line all season. We're not starting out. It's a straight up. Hey, Texas A and M beat Alabama. Yeah. yeah, take Cincinnati. I, th- I think Cincinnati could beat Texas A and M. Yeah, so do I. It, give give me the points and I'll take Cincinnati. No, we're not. <laughs> give me the points. I'll take Cincinnati. Change, change it. What what is that spread? Thirty? Is that spread thirty? Like. I think it's 14 now, isn't it? 13 and a half. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, give me the points. Give me the points. All right, we'll, we'll talk about how to do this. Uh, it, was thir- it opened up at 13 and a half. I don't know where it's at now. But I tell you what, if we're going to talk about lines right here, you know, that Michigan-Georgia game. Georgia opened up seven point favorite. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan. That's a great line. Oh, my I, Georgia God. Might, Georgia could win that game. It wouldn't shock me. But Michigan, that spread is oh, like hammer Michigan, right? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I haven't looked to see what that line has fallen to, but God, people's got to be—they have to be jumping on Michigan. Yeah, I mean it's, yeah. Hey, you guys want to talk about Nebraska ball? Mm. When are we gonna fire Fred Hoiberg? <laughs> is that Never. the biggest the crock of shit you've ever seen in your life? Give the guy time. I, I'm fine guys, with him. Let's let's go. Let's. I, I I don't have it in me. I, I don't. I, have I it just in gotta me. ask. I gotta ask one question. Fred Hoiberg gets all these great recruits, and all of them come in, 
as great shooting guys. Whatever Fred Hoiberg sprinkles on these motherfuckers makes them not ever shoot a basket during a game. We are like 350th out of 358 did you, to three did you guys shooting. Hear, did you guys hear that he climbed up on a ladder and put two basketballs into the rim to prove how big the rim was? Oh, my God. I mean, w- watching that game against Michigan last night. Oh, it it was I, I'm so glad brutal. I didn't get a chance to see. I bet the over, and I hit the oh, over. Yeah. Michigan damn near hit the over. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having this conversation with my buddies, and we're like, they're like, this is Nebraska ball's year. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I thought the, it was that, too, though. The, the text message thread has gotten very quiet on Nebraska ball. <laughs> they are, they're, they're like unwatchable right now. <laughs> They are unwatchable. You thought you thought this three and nine piece of Bullshit. shit team that Frost put out. Bullshit! That that NC State game was one of the most exciting games I've ever. Only because it went four overtimes. Yes, it was exciting. And college basketball overtime is significantly better than college football overtime. I, I get it, but I mean this this whole team. I don't know. Although how, although the first overtime, both teams scored two points. Yeah, I know. I guess I, I just a story. Justin, you know where I'm going with this, but I had bet the over in that game, and they went to overtime, and I was so happy they were going to overtime. And all of a sudden, we were what like a minute left in the first overtime, and there was only two points scored. And I'm like, I'm still gonna get the under. I'm still gonna miss my bet. It took the second overtime to finally hit my over because I bet the under in that game. <laughs> I bet the under, and I thought I was screwed. And and then I thought I was screwed going into overtime. I'm like, wow, it's getting to the end of the first overtime, and I still got a shot. You got to be kidding me! So you're telling me there's a chance? Oh my god! But yeah, Nebraska ball. What a joke this is! It it don't it don't look good. Why can't we have nice things in Lincoln? (laughs) Because we have asshole fans with like you that want to fire everybody Uh, all the time. It's real. It's really you, Justin. I, I. Everything wrong with Nebraska sports, I entirely. I'm you. sorry for having higher expectations than three and nine or whatever the fuck that Fred Hoiberg's going to be going this year. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine that he ever. Huh? He's already five and five. What yeah, I want? can't imagine him winning a Big Ten game. <laughs> I, I just can't. I can't imagine him doing it. I mean, if you, he's Frost might win more conference games in football. I'll tell you what, than what it's Hoiberg a good thing win. that Justin was not our athletic director because his ass would have been gone in a heartbeat because he'd have hired Frost and Hoiberg as well. And so all these shit hires that he made, he'd have been fired too. Oh, I just hired these guys to two-year contracts. Oh, Justin would fire him after three games. Justin, Justin would we, – we, we would – Blow through money if Justin was our athletic director. We'd be, we have we'd be, unlimited we'd be money. Paying, we'd be paying six coaches. Yeah. <laughs> six coaches. But goddamn, I'll find one that can win. You give me no, you enough opportunities. You afford them. Okay. Oh, good uh, Connor, times. Might, you could probably cut out the last 10 minutes of this, Connor, but. Uh, yeah, nobody if, listens if this far. Listen anyway. Why? It was the most entertaining part of the nobody episode. Nobody listens this far. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, <laughs> for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, we'll be great.